welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the blessings of loving our children. So I have two adult children and now three grandbabies. And I can tell you, I fiercely love all my babies, my now grown children and those little grandbabies. This mama would do anything for them and be there in a heartbeat in a moment if they needed anything. So today, whether we have our own children or spiritual children, we have a high calling to love these children and point them to Christ. This high calling of motherhood is truly an honor, and I hope that today I can, with the Lord's help, to help us to grasp this. I talk much about cleaning and homekeeping and scheduling over the years, but the moments we get with our children are hopefully pointing them to the reality that life is more than just cooking and cleaning, and that our example would be one of the sacrificial love of Jesus and of laying down our lives for another. You're a disciple, Mama, and you are to be making disciples in your home. It's a tiring job at times and can seem overwhelming many days, but my hope is that you'll be reminded today in our time together that you can't do anything without the strength of Christ. In Christ, Mama, we can do all things with great joy. So let's look together at the blessings of loving our children. Harry Clay Trumbull, in a book wrote Hints on Child Training, wrote, There's no human love like a mother's love. There's no human tenderness like a mother's tenderness. In all ages everywhere, the true children of a true mother rise up and call her blessed. For they realize sooner or later that God gives no richer blessing to man than is found in a mother's love. There's a favorite book that I turn to often to look for encouragement in my role as a wife and mother. God's Word is always my first destination, but a book that I came across quite a few years ago now is called Feminine Appeal by Carolyn Mahaney. Carolyn is looking at our role as Titus to women and what the scripture teaches by taking apart that verse a section at a time. Chapter 3 was a great guide in teaching us what God's Word says about loving our children. I'm going to share a little about it today and just even my, my own thoughts here, what I have learned from God's Word over the years. So the chapter starts off by reminding us as moms how good we are at self-sacrificing love. It's very rare to meet a woman who doesn't sacrifice for her children, right? And daily lay down her life to serve them. We are really good, usually as women, at that kind of love. But what Carolyn Mahaney says is, quote, what is rare is a woman who delights in her children, takes pleasure in them. She loves being a mother. She relates to them with a tender, warm affection, end quote. She also says, aren't there days where if someone was observing what was going on at our house, they would see an unhappy, irritated, exasperated mom yet all the while sacrificing for her family, doing the homeschooling, doing the laundry, cooking the meals. It's loving our children and husband with a tender, affectionate love amidst all the sacrifice that's harder for us to achieve, end quote. So the phrase in Titus 2.4 where it says to love their children is only one word in the Greek. It's the compound word 
philotechnos, meaning children lover. Philotechnos is derived from two Greek words, philo and technon, and philo is the warm, affectionate love. It emphasizes enjoyment and pleasure in the relationship, and technon just means children. So the Greek word here also implies the love of friendship. We're always our children's mother, but what I love is with this term, especially now since I have older children, is that as they do grow older, we also cultivate a friendship with them. So it was filial love rather than agape love that Paul was to have the older women teach the younger women. So why do you think Paul used this word instead of agape? And this is a great moment right now to search your heart, search your heart and ponder how you love your children. Is it just with a self-sacrificing love or with a tender, affectionate love? So today let's talk a little bit about how do we grow in this tender, affectionate love? Well, there are two areas that we need to be reminded of before we move forward in cultivating this kind of love for our children. First, This love to my children should not exceed love for my husband. We are not to center our whole lives around our children. Our husband should never feel that we prize our children above our relationship with him. He is to be first in our heart and first in our care. And second, tender love does not give in to indulgence. Selfishness tempts us to indulge our children. So this is really good stuff here because this was reminders I needed. So just to go through this again was good for me to study through it. So we, when we give, when we do give into their every want, we do it because we don't want to endure the crying that will take place. Um, or we're maybe too lazy to discipline them. If they're, you know, they're going to hear the word, no, they're going to cry. They're going to fuss. And at that point, we may get too lazy to even deal with it. Um, or maybe there's the other extreme that we want them to think favorably of us. So why do we give in to our kids every wish at times? Do we have a fear of man? And a fear of man is an excessive sinful concern about what our children or others will think of us. It's really a desire for our kids' approval or even a fear of being rejected by our children. So indulgence is not love. Growing in tender, affectionate love does not conflict with the discipline and training we need to provide for our children. Instead, it helps them to receive our discipline and training more willingly and readily if we're growing in this tender, affectionate love towards them. This doesn't just stop with our young children, but mamas, it's still a battle as our children grow into their teen and young adult years. We don't naturally love our children with a tender, affectionate love. And I know that seems shocking when they say that, but otherwise Paul would not have instructed the older women to teach the younger women to love their children with this kind of love. So we need to learn how to love our children with a tender, affectionate love. We feel it when that beautiful, sweet little newborn is put into our arms for the very first time. We, we feel that when we're our young children to love on them and cuddle them. And I just, I think of the memories of, I feel like I could still smell my babies when I was holding them, even though they are grown adults now. But the reality is just like us, all children come with a sinful nature. We don't need to teach our children how to lie or throw a tantrum or be selfish and demand their own way. And all the other examples that are going through your mind right now as you're listening to this, right? How quickly our tender feelings can dissipate during those moments. Where are all those tender feelings that we say we have for our children at those moments? 
Mm, sin. Sin would be the reason. It quickly takes away those tender feelings of filial love. Our hearts govern our feelings and rule our affections. And when sin rules our hearts, we're going to lose those tender feelings for our children. There's a lot of sinful responses that extinguish our tender affection towards our children, but I'm going to share the two that I struggle with the most, and I, I, I believe deep down probably most of us do. It would be selfishness and anger. So the reality is there's no greater profession that requires greater sacrifice and servanthood than that of being a mother, and that's a primary factor in why selfishness is one of our primary primary sinful responses. And there's a great quote by Stephen Bly I want to share. He says, No job on earth takes more physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual strength than being a good wife and mother. If a gal's looking for the easy life, she might try teaching tennis, cutting diamonds, or joining a roller derby team. There's nothing easy about good mothering. It can be backbreaking, heart-wrenching, and anxiety-producing, and that's just the morning, end quote. So we all know too well as mamas that our clock is 24-7. There are no weekends off, no paid vacations, no guarantees of a full night's rest. It's a full-time occupation, and that's that really isn't even acknowledged by our world most times as an occupation. So your days are long, and some days it seems that you don't have any more of yourself to give to your children because motherhood requires much sacrifice. Sacrifice reveals selfishness that's in our hearts. We need to draw upon the strength of the Lord and His grace in those times. We need to ask Him to help us to die to the selfishness that resides in us and lovingly serve our children. And anger is the second area we deal with in not loving our children with a tender, affectionate love. I love how Carolyn kind of brought out and described when she was shocked at her sinful response at her husband and children because she never had an anger problem before having a husband and children. I believe many of us can probably relate to that statement. I, I know I can. The sin issue was there all along in our lives. It was there before marriage and motherhood, right? Marriage and motherhood just brought it out and revealed what was truly in our hearts. So our children, they're a gift from the Lord to us to further the sanctification process in our lives, and we are the perfect fit for them to further the sanctification process in their lives. Please remember, your babies, your kiddos are not so fragile that you're going to ruin them for life. Otherwise, the Lord, he wouldn't have given them to us until we were far more mature in our walk. This is not an excuse to sin when dealing with difficult situations with our children, but to seek God's grace in handling the difficult situations in his strength and not in our own. God chose this way, marriage and motherhood, and in both ways, we're going to grow, and our kids too, in character and wisdom. Marriage and motherhood is the primary means where God is conforming us into his image. This is where we are in the trenches day to day. This is not to give freedom to sin in our lives. Always remember, sin has negative consequences. Sin is rebellion to God. We're going to sin against our children, but God's grace is big enough to cover the effect of our sin on our children. He can redeem it for our good and his glory. We need to humble ourselves and look to the Lord for help. As believers, I know that we all desire to become more Christ-like. God gave us children to help move that process along in our lives. When we sin against our kiddos, 
we need to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness of them and God will redeem it for good. The fruit of repentance is so sweet and I have seen it time and again when I sin against my children and ask for forgiveness. Our relationship many times is sweeter and closer than it even was before. Psalm 127, three through five says, like like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So when we think about our children, do these words come to our mind? Gift, fruit, rewards, blessings, arrows. Or do we think burden, sacrifice, work, responsibility, obligation, expense, Because how we think about our children will sooner or later determine what we say and what we do. If we think of them as work and sacrifice, we'll convey that in our speech and actions. God supplies all that we need for our children. Children are work and sacrifice, to be sure. I'm not saying that they're not. But if we think of them as a reward, gift, and blessing, it's going to make the work and the sacrifice a joyful experience instead of a burden. So... Jesus, our husband, and our children, there should be no one we prize more than them, right? It should be evident in our speech, attitude, and behavior. Do our children feel prized by us? Do I regularly communicate to my children how important and special they are to me? When I speak of them to others, do I do so in a respectful and loving way? Or do they hear me at times sharing their faults to other people when I'm speaking about them? When they approach me, do they get my full attention and interest Or do they feel like an interruption? Do I make spending time with them a regular priority in my life? Do I cherish them? And cherish means to hold dear, to care for tenderly, to nurture. What are some ways that we can make our kids feel cherished? One way is prayer, faithful intercession for them. Who else can pray for them more intelligently and with more compassion than their own mamas, right? And how meaningful to our children to know that they have a mama who's praying for them. We can be sympathetic and understanding with them, to comfort them, to calm their fears, to understand them when they're hurting and encourage them when they feel discouraged. No one can replace the tender, sympathetic love of a mother. I have to watch myself here because mercy's not one of my strengths. We're all called to show mercy, and it's not a strength of mine necessarily sometimes. I don't like to feel like I'm babying them. So I need to pray and show mercy where it's needed with my children. And although now, it seems, with my grandchildren, sympathy and understanding comes a bit more quickly than it did with my own children. And truly, because I now realize the fleeting moments of childhood that I had with my children when they were here at home with me, that I find myself more sympathetic and understanding with my own adult children and their needs than I probably was when they were here under my roof, sadly. So what about, are you an attentive listener? Do you give them full attention? Do you respond graciously and maintain interest when maybe you'd rather be doing something else? Or sometimes for me, even when I don't know what they're going to say before they say it, I'm just ready to interrupt them because I know what's on their mind. And I know that can be hard with little kiddos in those young years, but allow them, be attentive to their interests and listen to them. I need to show true interest in their thoughts and fears and dreams and This is an area for me that I continue to work on and grow in, even though my kids are older. What about enthusiastic encouragement? We need to be consistently encouraging them with evidences of grace that we observe in their lives. Encouragement has such a powerful effect. It motivates them to grow still more. 
and things like physical affection and verbal expressions of love, frequent hugs and appropriate touching and verbal communication of our love for one another should be happening all the time in our homes. We kiss each other and say, I love you before we go to bed and before we leave to go anywhere. There should be a warmth and tenderness in our homes with our families that radiates to others. And we need to enjoy them. Are we thoroughly enjoying our children right now? Or are we looking forward to when they're older or will outgrow this present phase? Do we take pleasure in our children's, in their unique strengths? Do we delight in motherhood? Carolyn Mahaney, it's, I have, I pulled a few good quotes here and here's another one I want to share with you from her book. And again, when I put quotes, I usually try to share them in the show notes. So don't feel you have to write them down. You could get online and, and take a quick, um, look at the show notes to find any quotes. And if I missed one, just shoot me a message and let me know that. So she says, we need to repent of our sin for not loving our children. Spend some time in repentance and read God's word and reading books about motherhood. You may be depleted and need fresh vision and perspective in regards to your role as a mom. Find a way to be alone for a few hours and study God's word as your role as a mother. If you're not enjoying your children, if you're lacking joy as a mother, may I appeal to you to take whatever measures necessary to change Repent and find a mature woman who enjoys her role as a mother to encourage you and hold you accountable to this period of your life, end quote. So as I'm continuing on today, I pray today that if you are that depleted mama she's talking about out there, I pray that the Lord will give you a fresh vision today and perspective to your role as a mama today. So are you, can we be more aware of the joys instead of the difficulties of this season Every stage of motherhood has its joys and difficulties. Let's not be so aware of the sacrifices and so concerned with all the difficulties that we miss the joys. Stop and consider all the joys that this present season holds and take full pleasure. Take the time to enjoy them right now at this season of their lives. Also, children can bring heartache and grief if they're not properly trained in godliness. Proverbs 10.10 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Our children being a joy and delight is not just a given. It requires faithfulness to train them up in the ways of the Lord. And most important, moms, we need to enjoy the help of the Holy Spirit in our mothering task. And Carolyn Mahaney, I've got another quote here. She says, How often have I been guilty of being the Holy Spirit in their lives? It's my job along with my husband's to impart truth, but I can't reveal truth, only the Holy Spirit can. It's my job to point out sin and require obedience, but I can't bring conviction of sin, only the Holy Spirit can convict of sin. It's my job to share the gospel, but I can't reveal the gospel to my children, only the Holy Spirit can reveal the truth of the gospel, end quote. That truth that she shared, it brings such joy and peace and rest to my heart because there's no need to worry and strive to produce fruit in the lives of my children that only the Holy Spirit can produce in them. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Mamas, we can plant and water in the lives of our children, but we cannot make them grow. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Jerry Bridges says, 
Truth is, we must plant and we must water if we are to make progress with our children in holiness, but only the Holy Spirit can change our children more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Our problem is we tend to depend upon our planting and watering rather than the Lord. End quote. Psalm 127, 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So here's the other aspect. And she, Carolyn Mahaney, this is just another good quote I'm going to share. She says, I can't accomplish anything of a spiritual and eternal value in the lives of my children apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I'm interrupting the quote here. These are important truths to remember, mamas, okay? So knowing, I'm going to continue on with the quote now. So knowing that doesn't minimize my role. It just alleviates a whole lot of pressure that God didn't mean for me to carry. I still need to build my house with him as it states in Proverbs 14.1. I must do all that I can to advocate godly character. I need to create an environment that encourages a passion for God, hem them in with righteousness, if you will. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who will reveal truth and ignite the passion. I simply need to enjoy his work in their lives. To enjoy them, we must. That is part of loving them with a tender, affectionate love, end quote. We don't have long to enjoy them, right? We only have our kiddos at home for a brief time. And how many times have we heard older moms like me say, enjoy them while you can because they grow up so quickly. But I really understand that all too well, how true that is. When they were infants, I felt like it would never end. And from the vantage point I have now, it was all for a very brief period in my life and how quickly it all passed. You'll only be doing what you're doing at present for a very short while. Psalm 90.12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In that psalm, Moses challenges us to learn to count our days, to number how many days we have left. Moses wrote Psalm 90 at the end of his life. When we count our days, we're brought to the reality of the brevity of life, which in turn motivates us to live as wise women. Carolyn says, we are wise mothers if we live with the brevity of life and purposeful to be faithful to cultivate that tender, affectionate love for our children. Now for this season of our lives, because we only have them for a short while and then they'll be gone. And when they're gone, we want to have minimal regrets. We only get one go at this, moms. We only get one chance to do it right. We don't get an undo and redo button with our children. We are only given one opportunity to do this right. That can be pretty scary if it wasn't for the grace of God in our lives. It is an awesome responsibility to be a mother, end quote. So not one of us is equal to the task apart from the grace of God in our lives. And not one of us is able to cultivate this tender, affectionate love for our children apart from the grace of God in our lives. The Lord delights to give us grace. The Lord will give us all the grace we need and more to be able to love our children with this tender, affectionate love. Let's not underestimate, ladies, for a moment the effect that this love can have on our own children. I have a couple quotes to end here with as I'm um, winding down here, though. Carolyn says, What is the ultimate purpose of a Phileo kind of love? It's nothing less than the salvation of our children's souls. This is the chief end of mothering. Our goal is not that our children be happy, fulfilled, and successful. Granted, we may desire these things for them, but our highest objective should be that our children would repent from their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ and reflect the gospel to the world around them. End quote. And J.C. Ryle 
says, this is the thought that should be uppermost on your mind in all you do for your children, in every step you take about them, in every plan and scheme and arrangement that concerns them. Do not leave out that mighty question. How will this affect their souls? End quote. That's a frequent quote that my husband and I are brought back to when determining choices for our family to ask ourselves that question. One of the most important questions we can ask is how will this affect their souls? I want to share a little bit from my post that went up yesterday called The Reminder to Imperfect Parents at the blog. Um, I had wrote, remember that it's God's grace that transforms the lives of our children, not our perfect or more likely imperfect parenting. He's the only one that has the power to transform their hearts and minds. This doesn't mean we don't strive to set a pattern and routine for our homes that directs the hearts of our children towards him. It's our duty as parents to train up our children in his ways, but we can't trust that our parenting is going to save them. We can too easily trust in our outstanding parenting skills or how we enforced all the right rules when we are reminded that the outcome of their lives is based on God's grace and calling and work in their lives. It keeps us humble and mindful not to take the glory away from him when their lives turn out well. This truth frees us from putting a burden on ourselves of having to be perfect parents. We need to be parents who realize we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and trust that Jesus is all we need for life and godliness. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You can read the rest of that post. I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's over at the blog this week. So mama, God's grace is sufficient for us as moms. If we missed opportunities to show this tender, affectionate love to our children today, or if we're feeling like we've failed as a mother, you know what? We've all failed. We are all failures. What? But we know the truth that his grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every day. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. My reminder always is that if you are in Christ, if you have repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, then ladies, I want you to look to the cross where there's forgiveness for your sins and his strength is there to help you to grow in godliness. Rely on his spirit to love your children with a tender, affectionate love daily and starting today where we are weak, he is strong. So Jesus is enough always. Thank you for your time today for listening in. And if this podcast today was a blessing to you, please share it with a friend or two who may also be blessed by the message today and encouraged. You can find the show notes and the resources mentioned at the blog. You just head over to thankfulhomemaker.com. If you don't subscribe to the blog, I'd love you to, so you don't miss a show or podcast. I send out a weekly newsletter with the posts and podcasts for the week every Friday morning, and I'll put a link for you to do that in the show notes. And you get two free eBooks with it, and one you may enjoy particularly as it goes well with this podcast today. And it's my free eBook. It's called Delighting in Our Children. So. One other really important thought I want to share is when I share about the gospel on the podcast, if you don't fully understand what I'm talking about, please head over to the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com and then look at this down on the sidebar and click on where it says the gospel. That fully explains what the gospel is. But here, always know this. If there's any questions 
about what it means to be a Christian or you're unclear, even as you read through that, please message me at the blog because I would love to talk with you more about what that means um, and what it means to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's one of the most important messages you could message me about. So friends, thank you again for listening and have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.